0: Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast, thanks for joining us today. It's the 16th of April, and on this day in Christian history, we're going to Scotland, and we travel back to the year 1746. The Battle of Culloden, the last last pitched battle fought on British soil, was fought today, and was the climax of the Jacobite Rising the rebellion had begun as an attempt to recover what was considered to be a hijacked throne. The House of Stuart, the Royal House of Scotland and then England and Ireland and later Great Britain had gone back almost 300 years and it had begun by replacing the House of Bruce in Scotland, which had finished without an heir. So the Stuarts had considered themselves the legitimate lineage. The first monarch of the Stuart line had been Robert II, and he had ruled from 1371 and the lineage had continued until the union of England with England in 1707. 40 years before today's battle In 1503, James IV had married Margaret Tudor, thus linking the royal houses of Scotland and England. And Mary, Queen of Scots, had been brought up in France where she adopted the French spelling of the name Stuart. When Elizabeth I of England had died without an heir in 1603, James VI of Scotland had succeeded to the thrones of England and Ireland as James I in the Union of Crowns. The Stuarts were the monarchs of Britain and Ireland and its growing empire until the death of Queen Anne except for the period of Cromwell's Commonwealth between 1649 and 1660. The Jacobite cause, named after James, believed there was support for a Stuart restoration in both Scotland and England after the Protestant William of Orange had taken the throne. The re establishment of the ancient Catholic faith was an important factor. However, today, on the 16th of April, the army of Bonnie Prince Charles. Charles Edward Stuart, was decisively defeated by the Duke of Cumberland on Dromossy Moor near Inverness in the Scottish Highlands. The Jacobites had expected and hoped for more French military support, supporting a Catholic monarch. In fact, a large invasion force had been prepared, and put to sea from Dunkirk in february seventeen forty four, only to be partly wrecked and driven back into harbour by violent storms. Bonnie Prince Charles's army had already taken Edinburgh, defeated a British government force at the Preston Pan, and reached as far as Derby. However, by then, the momentum was faltering. English recruits had dried up, and with the supplies and pay running short, Charles's leadership was proving to be more romantic than pragmatic, and they began to be pushed back. The alarmed king had recalled 12,000 troops from the continent to deal with the rising, And this proved to be a decisive surge in troop redeployment and the government troops resupplied and reorganised under the king's son the Duke of Cumberland. The two armies eventually met at Culloden on terrain that gave Cumberland's larger and well-rested force the advantage. The battle lasted only an hour And it's estimated that between one and a half thousand and two thousand Jacobites were killed or wounded, while about three hundred government soldiers were were killed or wounded. And in the face of such a defeat, the leadership took the decision to disperse, effectively ending the rising. Bonnie Prince Charles was whisked away in disguise, leading to romantic legends about his escape to the Outer Hebrides and the Isle of Skye. The aftermath proved brutal for the human ecology of the Scottish Highlands. Efforts to further integrate the Highlands into the Kingdom of Great Britain were in effect suppression and the dismantling of ancient cultures and tradition. Civil penalties were introduced to undermine the Scottish clan system, which had provided the Jacobites with the means to rapidly mobilise an army. And a period of depopulation, which is referred to as the Highland Clearances, took place. Culloden was a tipping point moment. But the seeds of the clearances had already been laid for economic reasons when the Duke of Argyll had decided to put tax or leases of farms and townships up for auction. After Culloden, the breakup of the traditional townships were devastating as they were an essential element of land management in Scottish gaeldom. To replace this system, small holdings or crofts were created, which shared access to common grazing, but also made the people more vulnerable to landlords. This process was often accompanied by moving people from the interior glens to the coast where they were expected to find employment in the kelp or fishing industries The properties they had formerly occupied were then converted into large sheep holdings And so the beginning of the clearances was more a relocation rather than an outright expulsion similar in many ways to the recent Chinese policy of urbanization. However, this intensified, and in 1815, after the collapse of wartime industries and the continuing rise in population, the landlords moved to the brutal policy of expelling people from their estates. This was increasingly associated with assisted emigration in which landlords cancelled rent arrears and paid the passage of the redundant families in their estates to North America and in later years also to Australia. Roman Catholics had experienced a sequence of discriminatory laws But this was more likely to lead to voluntary emigration rather than eviction. Although one case of harassment of Catholics was in the Outer Hebrides, the islands off the northwest coast of Scotland, where the chief of the Macdonalds of Clan Ranald attempted to forcibly convert his tenants on South Uist to Presbyterianism threatening to remove them off his lands. Over 200 people from South Uist sailed for Prince Edward Island in Canada to escape religious persecution at the hands of the chief. The immigrants first settled at Scotch Fort on the northeast side of the island, established with the assistance of the Scottish Catholic Church first winter hit the settlement hard and a year later a local minister wrote that they were in great misery. In 1790 to 1791 a second wave of around 900 fresh immigrants fresh emigrants from South Uist, Barra, Moidart and Mora settled in the area. And once the more adventurous settlers got their bearings, many moved out of Scotchfort into better areas of the island. And in time, Scotchfort became a staging post rather than a permanent settlement. That's all from the Pearl Great Price today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please subscribe and leave a comment on the blog if you have time. And join us tomorrow if you can as we look at the life of the Jesuit astronomer who was the first to map the moon among other things. If you want to visit the blog or commission a podcast for your own organisation visit the website for more information at www.pogp.net And if you'd like to respond directly then email the show at pogppod at gmail.com Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.